Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah 55 is a, a chapter in all of Scripture that is just very rich. As you walk through the first couple of verses there, you begin to realize that rather quickly. The first three verses, the Bible says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness, incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Those first three verses, you walk into Isaiah 55, and you see there's a lot there. As you look at some strong statements, everyone that thirsteth, and notice those words. And he goes on, he says, he that hath no money, he says, buy and eat. He goes on in verse number 2 and says, it's very plain, very simple, very understandable. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not? He very simply clears all of the the confusion up as he says, hearken diligently unto me. And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight in itself and fatness. Incline your ear. And come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. You go on down, you see in verse number 6, the Bible says, a very common verse that many of us no doubt have memorized, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And you go a little further, verse number 8, another verse that many of us have no doubt memorized, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But we're not going to be in any of those verses this evening as far as parking. I want to draw your attention to a verse that we see in Isaiah chapter number 55. Because we're seeing a world full of emptiness. There are people that we come in contact with. There are people that we pass. Whether people we pass in the grocery stores. Or people that we pass just down the interstate. Or people as we're going and picking up items. Or we're stopping off. Some of you work with people. And there's just so much emptiness in our world. There's so much emptiness in our world as, as people are trying to navigate and they're trying to grasp at all of the many products of the world, all the solutions of the world, yet they find themselves time and time again just still empty. And we understand that's the way of the world, that's many people that live in the world and live of the world and live like the world, and we understand that that's going to take place. But one of the saddest things that we're seeing even in churches, there are a lot of empty people. A lot of empty people, and you say, why am I so empty? Why do I go about my days, and I'm so discouraged, I'm so depressed, I'm, I'm trying to navigate through all this, but I feel as though there's no answers, there's no, there's no clarity, there's, there's no direction, there's no guidance. I feel as though I'm just empty and trying to navigate through this. We find all of the truths in God's Word that say, I ought to do this, I ought to do this, and we ask the question tonight, what are you doing with God's Word? What are you doing with God's Word? Because as you study the Word of God, there is no emptiness in God's Word. You see, God's Word is the the, the spiritual food that we need to feast on, yet all the time, many days of our lives, we're finding ourselves given to worry and, and very anxious, and we dwell in the living place of just worry and anxious and discouragement. And so notice what the Bible says in verse number 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of the, my mouth. And it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Bible in Scripture in First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen, a very clear statement says, But who am I? 
What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. You see, one of the greatest dilemmas in, in Christianity and in serious, the, the lives of many Christians is there's a lack of devotion. There's a lack of dedication. There's a lack of just discipline in the Christian life. And because there's no devotion to the Lord, because there's no discipline, because there's no dedication, they find themselves oftentimes feeling as though, what am I, what am I searching after? What am I going after? And then you come to 1 Chronicles 29 and 18 where the Bible says, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Two powerful truths that are found in that one verse that every Christian has to come to grips to. The first truth that you find in 1 Chronicles 29 14 is this, that the, the Lord God is owner of all and he gives all. That's a hard thing to comprehend sometimes. But the Lord is owner of all and gives all. The second thing that we must recognize is that we have nothing but what we receive and everything we need we may receive from God himself. You see, as you, you, you get into the Word and as you live the Christian life, when you begin to ask that question, how am I going to, to go about my days? How am I going to live this life called the Christian life? A couple of weeks ago, we asked that question. We uh, made it very clear that in the, the, the room, every single time an auditorium is full of people and people who are saved, there are two people that are Christians. There's a carnal Christian, there's a spiritual Christian. As you walk the doors tonight, and that's what category you fall into. You're either spiritual or you're carnal. And that is every single day of our lives we have to make the decision. Am I going to die daily or am I going to live in the flesh? Am I going to dwell in the flesh? Am I going to seek after the things of the flesh? And there has to come a time in all of our lives where we die daily and we recognize what the Lord desires for us to do and for how he desires for us to live. But when you grasp this concept that the Lord is owner of all and he gives all and that what we receive and everything we need, we may receive from God. You see, when we apply that knowledge and we apply the word of God and the knowledge of the word of God, and then we begin to truly desire to know him intimately, it all seems to make sense. It all seems to rather fall in place, if you would. And as you think about the Lord being a, a giver of all, one of the ways in which the Lord feeds us and the most important way in which he feeds us is through this book right here. You see, and many times in the Christian life, we go about our days, and Brother Polly touched on this during the youth meeting, but so many of us, if we're not careful, we're all about doing instead of being you see, but whenever you are truly trying to be the Christian that the Lord would have you to be, all of a sudden you don't have to worry about the doing because you are, and because you are, you recognize His worthiness and you recognize how holy He is. You recognize all of the things He would rather you do with your life that simply because of who you are, now it's much easier to do. But it's hard to be when you're so focused on the doing instead of on the being. And that's a struggle in the Christian life. Many of us, if we're not careful, we live our lives to all the doing because of why? Because we want to hear people say, look at all they're doing. Yet in the silent places, in the, the places that are in private, who are we truly? Isaiah chapter number 55 is so clear as he begins to lay some groundwork early on in chapter number 55. As he makes the statement, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. 
You know, there's a lot of groundwork early on in chapter number 55. As you move forward through this chapter, you see that as he says, come ye to the waters. And then he goes on, he says, he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. And you begin to think about the low places. And water always flows to the low places. But very few Christians are willing to be made lowly. Very few Christians are willing to humble themselves. Very few Christians grasp this uh, this concept of just saying, Lord, I want to be a, a receiver of your blessings. And Lord, as you give, Lord, I want to come back and give back. Notice this now for a moment. In First Chronicles 29, 14, notice as you listen close, he says, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. You see, the Lord begins to do a deep work within our lives. As the Lord begins to do a deep work within our lives, He begins to work in us. And as He is working in us, now He is wanting to send us and to use us. And as we humble ourselves, we say, Lord, I want to to, to experience all that you have. And then we begin to realize the seriousness of the Christian life. And as He says these words... Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so tonight as you ask the question concerning this, Giving back to the Lord. Let me ask you this question. We've asked it many times over the last month or so. Have you given your life back to the Lord? I remember there was certain stages of my life whenever I was all in all for for one thing. And me and my brother-in-law, Troy, always make he always makes fun of me about this because for the longest time, any time that I was all about one thing, I would just head in that direction. For instance, if I, if I grabbed uh, off the, 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 uh, store hanger, an Under Armour shirt, and I fell in love with that Under Armour shirt, then I just completely changed my wardrobe to Under Armour everything. And, uh, you know, whenever I was all about a certain thing, I just would head in that direction. We would laugh about that. And there are certain seasons in life when you go back and your teenage years and you're all about this and then you transition to, you know, those, those late teenage years and you're all about this and then you transition to your, your early twenties and you're all about this and then you get married and you're all about certain things and then you're about to be 31 and you're just all about getting to bed about 830 and your wife wants to stay up late, you know? <laughs> Different seasons though. And as you begin to think about the different seasons in life, we have to ask ourselves this question. When will we get to the season where we say, Lord, I give you my all? It's a struggle. It's a struggle just to say, Lord, I lay my life down at your feet. I remember I was reading a book by Tozer and I have it in my Bible and he made the statement, Lord, I'm here to live and to die for your kingdom. As you think about that statement, there's a lot of boldness in that statement. Lord, I'm here to live and to die for your kingdom. But oftentimes in our own lives, we like to lay up our own kingdoms. We like to live for ourselves and we go and get gain. Notice what he is saying here is in Isaiah 55. Notice what he is going on to say in verse number two. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? I mean, he, he's, he's calling it what it is. And then he goes a little step further. He says, in your labor for that which satisfieth not, why are you so empty? Because you're going about it all the wrong ways. 
You're living your life to please yourself. You're living your life to go about all of these things. And he says, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And then he goes on and says, in your labor for that which satisfieth not. And so as you're reading those verses, you say, maybe I am going about it all the wrong way. Why am I so empty? Why am I living this life? And I'm constantly seeking after these things. What do I need to do? Well, he clarifies it. He says this, hearken diligently unto me. And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And then the one solid, strong verse that many of us have memorized. Verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And so tonight you're asking this question as we ask the question about yielding and giving our lives and surrendering our lives. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? Are you saying that I'm supposed to say, Lord, if I'm, if I'm called to preach, I surrender to preach. Lord, if you want me to go to the mission field, I'll go to the mission field. If you want me to do this or do that, I'm not saying to do any of that right now. What I pray that you would do right this very moment is as you come to the Lord, that you would just do business and deal with the Lord and say something along the lines of, Lord, I believe and I belong to you. I am simply at your disposal. Lord, you do with my life what you simply desire to do. Lord, I want to deal with you. Lord, you've created me. You've given me all things. And Lord, because you have given to me, I've received. And Lord, I give my life back to you. I remember as a young man in college still struggling with that as I was already surrendered to preach. But even when you're surrendered to preach, even preachers desire certain things. You say, Lord, I want my ministry to look like this. Lord, I want to be able to graduate college and I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to go do this. And Lord, I want all of this. This is, this is what I want. And the Lord just puts a little smiley face on it and just smiles. Makes you feel good until you realize that's not his plan. You see, and that's, that's sometimes how we live the Christian life is though we think that because we have made those statements and we've said those things, they sound good, don't they? But then action is required. And we come to Isaiah 55, verse number 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You see, it was in Mark chapter number 12, verse number 30, where the word of God says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Yet it's one that we struggle with. Andrew Murray said a lack of devotion to God tends to lead to commotion and confusion in the believer's life. And oftentimes it's the believer that has become bored, bitter, or backslidden. And you begin to think about the emptiness right this very moment. And we're living in a world full of empty people. And we're sitting in churches and there's so many empty people because they're looking at all of the other things. They're looking at all the other places. They're looking at all of their plans Instead of getting their eyes fixed on Jesus. And so I ask you this question. What are you doing with this book tonight? You see, we've made it so easy in 2023. I was sitting at my my recliner just the other day. And I was just sitting there. And and random thoughts come through your mind sometimes. And I was just sitting there. And I was just thumbing through the pages. And I said, man, I just love that sound. I just love the sound of of the pages as you turn from page to page. Yet we have many, many times in in 2023, we've just given ourselves to the tablets and we've given ourselves to the devices. We've given ourselves to all of those things. And I'm not anti those things. But I will say this. It's taken the seriousness out of worship many times in our lives. 
Because, hey, if I don't have my Bible, then, uh, you know, I've got my cell phone. But, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I sit at home for, for a Sunday, and I'll be honest with you, sitting there and watching on the TV, it just doesn't feel right. And as I go to the Bible app and I hold this as my Bible, all the while knowing that I can hold the precious Word of God in my hands where there are so many children and so many people all across this world that just want a page of the Word of God. Yet we treat it as though it's not essential in our lives. And then we find ourselves so empty. We find ourselves struggling through. We find ourselves, and he says these words in verse number 2, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies? You're doing it all wrong. What do I need to do, Lord? Hearken diligently unto me. And ye eat that which is good, and let your soul delight in itself, and fatness incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. You see, he's laying groundwork leading up to verse number 11, which is something that is so vital to Christian life. Notice with me five things this evening. We won't be long. The Bible says in verse number 11, one more time at the very beginning, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Notice with me, if you would, the proclaiming of the word of God, the proclaiming of the word of God. As you thumb through the Psalms, you'll find that many of the, wor- the the psalmists were going back and praising the Lord. And as you come to Psalm 19, it starts off in such a powerful way. In Psalm 19, as you open the scripture and see what he goes on to say, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I love those words at the beginning. Day unto day, and night unto night. As the heavens are declared, the glory of the Lord. You walk outside the doors of the church and you see the sunset taking place. You look over there and you say, man, the sky is beautiful. That's because your God made it that way. We so many times for, take it for granted. We, we look at our lives and we go about our days and we're missing it so many times. And he says right here, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. We see the proclaiming of the word. The proclaiming of the word. If I could encourage you, some of you might be here tonight and you say, I feel empty. I feel dead. I feel uh, just alone. I feel cold. I feel apathetic. I feel callous. I feel just numb to all of these things. What are you doing with God's word? When problems come your way, what are you doing with God's word? When you get discouraged, what are you doing with God's word? When you walk into the house of God, what are you doing with God's word? You see, we, we've come to the place many times in our modern day Christianity where we say, give me any solution. And when we say, run to the word of God, that takes too much work. No, you see, we've looked at the word of God wrong. We look at the word of God as if we have to go to it instead of we get to go to it. I get to dwell in the word of God. I don't have to dwell in the word. I get to dwell in the word of God. There was a missionary who was in New Guinea. And as he was in New Guinea, he had just come back from a trip. And he was beginning to have a conversation with one of his good friends. And as he was talking to his good friend, they were talking about the power of the Word of God and proclaiming the Word of God and doing what the Word of God has to say. And so his friend looked at him and he said, well, tell me about your time in New Guinea. He said these words as he said, tell me what you found at your station in New Guinea. The gentleman looked at him and he said, found? Found? He said, I found something all right. He said, I found something that looked more hopeless than if I had been sent into the jungle to a lot of tigers. The friend looked at me and said, what in the world? What, what do you mean? Expound on that. 
He said, while those people, though they were so degraded that they seemed utterly empty of moral common sense. They were worse than the, the beast of the jungle. If a mother were carrying her little baby and the baby began to cry, she would throw it in the ditch and let it die. If a man and his father saw his father broke his leg, he would just leave his father on the roadside to die. So they had no compassion at all. They did not know what it meant to have or to live with compassion. The friend began to ask him the question. He, he said, well, what did you do? Did you, did you preach to him? Did you get their attention? And he said, no, I didn't preach to him. He said, I lived before them. He said, when I saw the baby that was crying, I went and grabbed the baby. He said, when I saw a father, a husband, a friend that was laying there and they were left to die, I'd go and I'd help them. He said, I lived before them. And before I knew it, he said, they would be coming to my hut and they'd be asking me, why are you doing all of this? That baby, we have plenty of babies. If we leave that baby, why are you saving that baby? Why are you helping that man? Why are you assisting that lady? He said, oh, and then at that point, when they began to ask all the questions, then I began to preach. He said, but I lived out the word of God before I ever preached the word of God. You see, we've got a lot of hypocrites in a lot of places right this very moment that do a great job of preaching, but do a very poor job of living it out. We know the Word of God. We know what the Word of God has to say. We know all the cliche statements. We know all of the things that we're supposed to do, yet we do a very poor job just living it out. The man began to talk to his missionary friend. He said, one of the greatest things that we need to do as Christians is not only preach the Word, but live out the Word. Can I encourage you, as you're proclaiming the Word, one of the things that you have to keep in mind is that while your lips might not be moving sometimes, You go into the workplace and you're not allowed to speak of the God that you worship. And you're not allowed to proclaim with your lips all of what Jesus did on Sunday and how he changed your life. You can live it out and people will begin to take notice. You see, as you live it out, there will come a time when someone asks you the why. Why do you do this? It's just a baby. There's plenty of babies. Why are you helping that man? Why are you helping that lady? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus changed my life. Notice what he says right here. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. The opportunity to preach had come. And as he was being a doer then, he began to share with them also the doer of the work in his own life, which was God, who was giving to him all of these things. And he was receiving these blessings. And he had laid his life down. He said, God, I want to be used. And so, Lord, I give my life back to you. He recognized something. God is the giver of all, and God had blessed him, and so he was giving back so he could be used as a blessing to others. The proclaiming of the word. Notice this verse as it continues to go on. It says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. As you think about the proclaiming of the word, it goes on, and it says, It shall not return unto me void the productivity of the word of God. You see, as you're empty right this very moment, you're discouraged. I ask the question, what have you done with God's word? Every time you're discouraged, you run to God's word, it lifts you up, it encourages you, it helps you as you get away from all of the distractions of the world. 
Why is it that when we go and we take some young people away from all the distractions of the world, we take them to camp and we say, hey, let's not focus on our tablets, not focus on all of the games, let's not focus on our cell phones, let's get away from all of those distractions, and let's just sit under the preaching of the Word. Why is it that during that time, just four and a half days, that all of a sudden God begins to do a deep work in young people's lives, and they come back stirred up, they come back crying and weeping with their friends, and they come back with a burden on their heart to reach their friends in their public schools, and to reach their friends in the youth group, and to reach their families. Why is it that they do that? Because the power of this book right here. It's this book. You see, this book is what changed your life. Long ago, you heard a gospel message and you said, I've got to get saved. What was it then? It was the power of the Word of God. That same power that saved you is the same power that is still working today. What are you doing with the book? You ask the question right here as he goes on, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return Unto me void. You see, that word return speaks of to turn back or to withdraw, to lead away by luring, to turn backward, to reverse. The word void speaks of being empty, speaks of being ineffective, speaks of being worthless or without cause or vain. You see, in the Christian life, there are many who have talked about this and you proclaim the word of God and you try to live out the word of God as the Lord through his word speaks into us. And then he speaks out of us into others. That is the deep work that the Lord desires to do in every single one of our lives. That he would speak the truth of his word into our lives. And that as we take this living word to others, that we would be used of God as God has spoken into us, that we would speak out and speak the truth of his word. You see, the power of God's word is very evident. You think of how how productive it is. I don't know about you. I don't want to just sit there and know all of what the word of God has to say. I want to be able to talk to someone and sit down and share the word of God and how it changed my life and how it can change someone else's life. I want to preach the word. I want to be happy about the word. I want to live out the word. I want to do all of those things. Number three, we see as he goes on, he says this, you shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Notice the power of the word of God. The word accomplish speaks of to produce, to act with effectiveness, to put in order or to perform. You see, God's word is a a word that does perform. There is no emptiness in his word. It's a well that continues to run deeper and deeper and deeper. There is no end to it. It just continues to, to shed more and more insight and continues to encourage you to get more and more wisdom. There's more knowledge. You should get along with God and get into his word. As you think about the power of God's word, he says, but it shall accomplish that. Notice these words, which I please. I love walking away from a day in the house of the Lord where God just really did a great and a mighty work in our midst. There's just something special about it. It's hard to put into words. You know, every single uh, Monday I have a conversation with certain family members and um, I'll call my brother-in-law Troy. I'll talk to maybe my father-in-law every once in a while. I'll talk to, I was talking to my parents before they moved here and, and now I avoid them and, you know, uh, no, we, we have conversation. But it, the conversation was always, how was church on Sunday? And there are some times whenever you just simply have to say, <laughs> it's hard to express. It's hard to, it's hard to put, you just had to be there. You just had to be there. As you think about the power of God's word, I love these words, but it shall accomplish that which I please. 
It was D.L. Moody. At the age of 45, I came across how powerful this was, and I came across, I meant to mention it this past weekend, about the generations. Because I really want you to grasp and understand the, the difference that the Lord is continuing to make, and He is faithful to every single generation. D.L. Moody, at the age of 45, was preaching, uh, and he was preaching a campaign meeting all through England. While he was there, it was on September the 26th that he preached a message from Genesis 3-9. And the text was, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? There was a young 14-year-old teenager in that service by the name of Tommy Booz. He was the youngest of 12 children in a lawyer's family. And during that message that was being preached by Moody, Tommy was glued to every single word that Moody had to say, and he was listening to every single verse that he went to, every single word concerning that question as he asked the question, Where art thou? And so Tommy, coming from a, a family of 12, he was listening and Three days later, he wrote his sister, Evie, and told her that he went to Moody's revival meeting and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He told her that Moody had spoken from Genesis 3-9 and asked that question, where art thou? He told his sister that this was the first question God ever asked man in the Bible, and that it was the first question that people ought to be asking themselves, where art thou? Tommy's life from that moment was changing, and later became a prominent preacher. He had a son by the name of Cecil who eventually became a missionary for 20 years in Kenya before he returned to lead England's largest missionary society. Cecil had four kids. One became a missionary surgeon in Africa. One was a Christian businessman in London. One became a pastor's wife. And the fourth, Richard Buse, in 1983 became the pastor at All Souls Church in London where he would later retire from that position. Altogether, over 100 children Grandchildren and great-grandchildren have flowed from Tommy Bue's life, and almost all of them are involved in some aspect of Christian service. As Richard Bue's began to analyze this and began to analyze his family tree, he, he made this statement. He said, Our family today, several generations on, is still filling the reverberations of one single sermon. The question was posed, Where art thou? You see, God is faithful to all generations. And it starts with the power of this book right here. You see, I ask you the question, what are you doing with God's word? Do you want to get a hold of all that God has for your life? Get in the book. Do you, you really want to see all that God could do with your life as you get along with God and you open the word of God? It's in the word of God where all the fire begins to burn within and you have to tell somebody about Jesus. My prayer for these young men who just saying that believe the Lord is called then to preach is that they would get a hold of what it means not to preach their words, but to preach this book. The power of the Word of God. Notice what he goes on and says in verse number 11, and it shall prosper. You see, all through verse 11, he goes on and he continues to emphasize the word. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where to I sent it. There's great pleasure in the word of God. The Bible says in Matthew nineteen twenty six, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. There's great pre- pleasure in it.
When I stand and, and preach the Word of God, as I'm sitting over here, I, I still get nervous every single time because this book is so precious. It's, this isn't just a, a fill-the-time slot. And this isn't walking into a gym and shooting a basketball. And this isn't, hey, I'm going to go run a couple of errands around town. This isn't, hey, i got to run up to the grocery store. This isn't taking the dog for the walk. No, this is an opportunity for lives to be changed. The Word of God is preached. I take it very seriously, but I take great pleasure in it. I love preaching the Word of God. As you think about this statement that is made in Matthew 19, 26, he says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. You see, as I sit there, I communicate to the Lord and ask the Lord to take this message, and Lord, if it's not your message, then remove it and only say what He would have for me to say, because I know that the power of God's Word truly can change lives, because it's changed mine. As a 16-year-old young man, I got saved, and my life has never been the same. As I go back to the most important, pivotal moments in my life, it's been whenever I was either reading the Word of God or listening to the Word of God being preached. Why? Because it's a powerful book. Final thing we see tonight, these words, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We see the prospering of the Word of God. Notice the word prosper speaks to this, to advance, to make progress. To bring to a successful issue or to simply prosper. Joshua 1 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Can I ask you this question one final time tonight? As you think about Emptying yourself and saying to the master tonight, Lord, I'm empty. Lord, I'm empty. I've been going through this life and I'm still looking for direction. I'm looking for uh, an opportunity. I'm looking for all of these things. But Lord, I'm just empty. Could I encourage you? Get into this book so he can fill you. And then as he fills you, would you come back to an old-fashioned altar? Would you go and get down on your knees in your house? Would you go outside and just communicate to the Lord and say, Lord, I was empty, and Lord, you fed me, and so Lord, now I'm emptying myself back in your hands. Lord, fill me again and use me. Could I encourage you tonight? As I ask you this question, what are you doing with God's Word? Some of you are empty right this moment. You're discouraged. You're depressed. You're battling the, the, the seriousness of life. You're going through an issue. You're going through a problem. What have you done with this book? Because it's very clear, this book still changes lives. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the power of your Word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities to preach your Word. Lord, I don't want to be a Christian that knows everything. Lord, I want to be a Christian that knows and lives it out. Lord, I I don't want to be a Christian that receives all of the many blessings from you and holds it to myself. But Lord, I want to empty myself back at your use. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight. Lord, some are empty right this very moment. They're discouraged and we ask the question, what are we doing with your word? How we just become so numb to it. We don't care about holding the precious Word of God and getting into the Word of God any longer. Lord, we take it or leave it. We come and be fed on Sundays and Wednesdays and leave the rest of the week just to to go about. Lord, I don't want to experience that. Lord, I want your touch on my life. Lord, I know many others want your touch on their lives. Lord, give us a, a, a fresh view of truly who you are tonight. 
Lord, help us to empty ourselves at your feet and say, I truly, Lord, surrender my all. I'm done playing games. I'm done seeking my ways. Lord, I want to seek your ways, your plans, your purpose, and help us to find it in you. Be at this time of invitation. I pray that you would use it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.